Have you ever wondered what it would be like to be an Olympian who has won a silver medal for track cycling for your country? Imagine all of the hard work, dedication and perseverance it takes to become an elite athlete. But there is a dark side to elite sport. And today's guest shares what it was like having a childhood where life was completely structured around her cycling training and what happens to your life and career when you completely retire from an elite sport. Welcome to Get Over Yourself, the podcast for successful women who are ready to get out of their own way and quit letting fear hold them back. You've worked hard to get to where you are, so it's about damn time you felt confident enough to enjoy it. I'm your host, Eloise Tompkins, and I've spent over a decade mastering the art of psychology so I can help women just like you stop the self-doubt spiral and learn to love yourself enough to move forward. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Get Over Yourself podcast. I am so excited today to bring you this fabulous guest who I have had the pleasure of getting to know through the She Mentors platform. So if you haven't checked out She Mentors, go ahead and check that out. It is a phenomenal platform that brings a group of women together uh, of all different walks of life. And today I have the pleasure of having a chat with Raquel, who is a dynamic individual who just has this really diverse background transitioning from would you believe it Olympian and Commonwealth silver medalist track cyclist and oh do I have a story to talk to you about track cycling here to becoming a personal financial advisor now Raquel has such a vibrant personality and I've been so blessed to get to know her and she has a love for connecting people together using her passion for creativity and exercise She is a nail artist and a Pilates bar instructor and likes to explore her artistic and fitness interests through those side gigs. But her main focus at the moment is her mission to improve financial literacy and boost confidence among women, as demonstrated by her recent Instagram launch dedicated exactly to this cause, which is uh, Money Smart Goals and Gals, sorry, and we'll pop that into the show notes for you so you can check it out. But before we begin, I just want to reintroduce myself. My name's Eloise, my pronouns are she, her, and I have Raquel joining us today, who I'd like to invite to the show. Welcome, Raquel. It's so great to be here. Um, Yes, as mentioned, I'm Raquel, and my pronouns are also she, her. Thanks for having me on. So excited to chat with you. And Raquel, I'm super curious um, if you can tell us a little bit about what it is that you are doing with yourself now. So uh, a day in my life right now is kind of hectic, depends what day of the week it is. But um, I, my daytime job, which takes up most of my day, is being a financial advisor. So I specialize in life, health, disability insurance, and also KiwiSaver advice, which is like superannuation um, in Australia. So we have that here in New Zealand, and that is super fun to do. I love doing that stuff. Then over and beyond that, I also am a bar, Pilates bar instructor, so four times a week I teach at a local studio called Flourish um, and that is just a little bit of a passion of mine. I lost the love of exercise when I retired from being a cyclist so found that and love it and then here and there I also fit in um, my nail clients which are usually my nearest and dearest um, that just like to get their nails all prettied up. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm up to these days. I love that it's so diverse. And I remember when I first started chatting with you and, and 
I knew that you're an um, former Olympic athlete and I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. That's really interesting. And then you were like, yeah, but I also like doing nails on the side and (laughs) I'm a Pilates instructor. And I was just thinking, wow, that's so diverse. And what I love is that you are able to really integrate all of these different interests and kind of bundle them into your life and, and almost the sense of finding balance. But I know that it hasn't always been that way for you. And I guess what I'm curious about is what your journey was like for you along the way. Okay. So I spent majority of my life as an athlete. Um, and that is a fully all encompassing, I do refer to it as a job. Um, but it kind of isn't, it's also mostly just a passion. Um, so that was my entire life, my entire identity. So it was definitely not much balance back then. Um, And then when I transitioned out, I did struggle for a wee while to find my feet and find what parts of me were me and not just what I thought I was as an athlete. Um, So that was a little bit of a struggle, but eventually I found my way. I figured out what I really liked to do, what filled up my cup and what really severely drained it. Um, And then I just prioritized my day to make sure that I get the best out of myself at all parts of my day without sacrificing too much like obviously there's got to be a little bit of sacrifice here and there but um yeah so I've just really worked to make sure my days my weeks revolve around keeping my cup filled as much as I can without draining so detrimentally tell us a little bit about what it was like when you were kind of in that detrimental stage draining your cup it was really hard um mentally mostly than anything I think I had quite a strong capacity for physical drain from being an athlete. So that wasn't a hard thing for me. It was mentally. Um, When I first came into this role, it was quite difficult for me because I had, as an athlete, you don't have, um, you don't have a lot else to worry about. You kind of worry about yourself and your training and that's all you have to do for the day. When I came into this role, it, shifted entirely from worrying about what I had to do and get through the day it was shifted entirely to what other people needed me to do or what I needed to be for other people um since it's such a heavy service role so that really really drained me and I would leave feeling just exhausted and like really mentally depleted and like I couldn't really be bothered doing anything um at that stage I also kind of gave up on exercising I was just not in a great state and then um eventually realized actually exercise brings me a whole heap of joy and I really needed to make sure that I prioritized that and I started to learn how to kind of compartmentalize the things that would happen in my work day um so that it wasn't so ridiculously draining by the time I got home that I still had energy for my husband and my dogs and like to do things that I really enjoyed doing like reading and stuff so yeah It was a little bit of a learning curve, but I got there. It's hard, isn't it? Like finding that balance of, because it sounds like when you were in that um, athlete stage of your life, it sounds like, or at least what I'm hearing from that is it was very structured and regimented Mm -hmm. and very heavily focused on this is what you're doing all day. Yeah. Your training, 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 training. Yeah. <laughs> and was there a lot of time in those moments to have that balance? What would happen if you took that balance there? Um, so I actually thank you for reminding me because one of the things that as an athlete, your life is so structured by someone else. Um, 
you're constantly told what you have to do at a certain time or how long, um, what you need to eat, when you need, like how much sleep you need to have, what time you need to be at training, how long you're going to be there for, what time you need to be at this meeting, how long you're going to be there for, when you go to the physio, when you need to do this. Um, So my days were constantly laid out for me and I had someone telling me what to do all the time. So when I did step away from that, the freedom that came with that was also really overwhelming. Um, So learning to be like, okay, I'm in control of my day now, which is what I wanted. How do I not overwhelm myself with a million and one options of things that I could do and just focus on the things that I either need to do or really want to do to fill up my cup again? Um, but I feel like I might have gone slightly off track of your question. Can you remind me your question there? <laughs> well, I, I, I love I love going off on tangents and down rabbit holes. <laughs> and, and as I was listening, like I was super curious because you, one of the things I guess I like to ask people is, you know, childhood and, and how that kind of impacts yeah. because I think that our past really does have an impact on our current present yeah. in many ways and as I was hearing you talk about how structured your days were uh, as an athlete it was making me wonder what that was like for little you yeah okay so little me I actually started racing BMX when I was five years old um so as long as I can remember I raced bikes um, which also included training a lot, a lot of training. Um, so my days, even at school, were often evenings were very consumed in training, um, homework, training, go to sleep, go to, go to school, homework, training, go to sleep, you know, like rinse and repeat. And it was much the same through high school, um, always training, constantly training. Uh, it was, yeah, my and my life as a kid, my dad was, I like to call him a super fan. Um, he's definitely a super fan. He's my number one fan. But he also was super strict on things. Like I would have to do my training. Like I couldn't just decide that I didn't want to do my training that day. So I was at his mercy a lot of the time as a kid. And I am very open about that. And he knows I feel that way these days. Um, as a kid, I didn't voice it so much. But um, it kind of... I guess it was a, both a good thing and a bad thing. Um, when I was a kid, it taught me how to stick to something and really persevere through things. But it also taught me to rely on someone else to tell me what to do and when to do it. So when I did finally get the control of myself and my own time, it was, yeah, like I said, really overwhelming. Mm-hmm. I can imagine that that would be super overwhelming. And it, it almost reminds me, you see child. Hollywood stars and and it, it it's reminding me of that aspect in in some mm-hmm. ways to because I mean as a kid there is that sense of obviously your parents yeah care for you uh and then at what point does that become too much and yeah. not allowing <laughs> you to then or people to learn then, and thrive yourself right yeah develop that independence and and it mm. sounds like like because I imagine to be a I mean what silver medalist like that's Mm. crazy that would require such a level of determination and and perseverance and Mm -hmm. I just I know that I would not have that in me (laughs) I just I would I I just know like I'd not no thank you I'd rather sit on the couch and 
watch binge watch a <laughs> Netflix series than you know. <laughs> so this is why I'm um, very strong with balance because I would do my training and I would get everything done, but then I would do exactly that. I would sit on the couch and binge watch Netflix and like guilt free as well because I had nothing else to do. All I had to worry about was my training and it was done for the day. <laughs> and and having someone else to kind of tell you that like, yep, you're done. Then yeah. it's almost like, like, I mean, I kind of see that and I'm like, oh, cool. Then you can just throw your hands yeah. up and be like, okay, well, the responsibility is off me yeah. in, in ways. And then, but then I do totally get that whole pressure of then getting that freedom, which would feel overwhelming because mm-hmm. all of a sudden you're then having to make choices and decisions and think about things. In, oh yeah. Can you speak a yeah. bit to that? Yeah, so uh, one of my biggest flaws I feel personally is that I very much struggle with decision making, especially like big decisions, because I think I have been so ingrained throughout my life and being told what to do and I didn't have to make decisions for myself. Or I could easily rationalize that decision by thinking, okay, is this the best decision for the team or for the performance that I'm aiming towards? So that was super easy to rationalize a decision. Now that I don't really have that, I very much struggle with decisions and I have to actually think about, all right, so no one else cares anymore. Like it's not about anyone else. It's just about you. So what do you want to get out of it? What do you feel is right for you? Are you going to regret doing A or are you going to not regret doing A? Like, how do you feel about this? So, yeah, decision making is definitely one of my harder things in my day to day life. Um, which is why I quite often just stick to do doing what I'm doing and don't change things up too, too much, too often. But yeah, definitely. How do you make those decisions in that case? Like how do you determine whether A is the right option or, or, or not for you? Um, I feel like I've got quite an analytical brain, uh, which probably is why I'm pretty decent at the job that I do. Um, I do analyse things a lot and I that can be both a really good thing, right? And a really bad thing. (laughs) Hello, overthinking. Um, But I guess, yeah, like, so what I like to try and drill it down to is like, is this decision going to help me in the future? Is it going to, am I going to grow from this decision or is it going to hold me back? If I, if I decide to do that, is it going to put me backwards or is it going to pull me forwards? Like, what is the impact it's going to be? Or sometimes if it's not even that deep, I'm like, just do it for the plot. (laughs) Right. So this is this is going to be a plot twist here in, in yeah, my story like, of life. Which way is this going to go today? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just don't put the plot. Oh, just do it. <laughs> and it reminds me of one of those choose your own adventure books where you kind of, you know, pick a page number, page 85 or page yeah. 103. Pick one. Yeah, yeah. I used to yeah, get so like, anxious uh, with those. Like, <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> which I is- would. <laughs> I would look at both and be like, okay, which one do I like better? Yeah, yeah, because we want to know and it has that yeah. illusion of control and it, mm-hmm. it sounds like that analytical brain for you mm. almost and, and I can relate to that and almost wanting to be able to feel as though we have a lot of control over yeah. those outcomes. outcomes. And, yeah, and and it's interesting because I think that even when other people were making those decisions, there was that sense of um, – I wouldn't say control, but maybe certainty, like, because you're like, well, someone else is making those decisions. I can trust those other people. And 
even if it gets even if they get it wrong and they fuck up it doesn't matter yeah. because I'm not yeah. the one that had to make that decision so yeah, therefore it wasn't it's... my fault I didn't make that call can't blame me yeah 100% <laughs> Whereas, yeah now it's 100% on me so every decision that I make I have to own it and I mean I'm not like this with every tiny little thing like what am I gonna have for lunch ah, but it'd be like those big life decisions you know like wanting to buy a second house like is this a really good move or like wanting to start a family like is this a good move is this what I want for myself like that those kind of decisions is what I like constantly I'm thinking about like how does this work where does this go yeah I think some of that's also normal like Hmm. it's normal to kind of weigh up decisions and I think sometimes those little decisions can be the things that plague people oh Um, yeah like like what am I gonna have for lunch Like I've got I've got two options of curries in the fridge and I'm like, what am I, which one am I going to eat today? But if I eat this one today, then what am I going to have tomorrow? And am I going to feel like that one tomorrow? And yeah. that overthinking kicks in for people and then all of yeah. a sudden it's decision paralysis and, oh, so yes. I totally feel you on that. And um, I'm curious, uh, I guess, to understand a little bit about some of the challenges. We've kind of touched on this Um but I imagine that there would have been a few challenges that you would have faced in your career. Tell us a little bit about what some of those standouts were for you in your career. Um, I guess the biggest thing for me was the, so we talked about how I didn't have a lot of control um, just over my day to day. Um, but that also meant I didn't have a lot of control about outcomes when it came to like selection or anything like that. Didn't ha- I didn't have control when it came to the outcome of a race, um, all those sorts of things. So the biggest challenge I faced was always around selection. Um, when it came to selection time in the team, you would get pitted against each other. It was never very fun. Um, in fact, it was not fun, like, at all for anyone involved. We would constantly be being analysed. Um, every single thing you did every single day would go towards a potential selection decision. And in the early days, it was a little easier um, over my time in the squad cells in the New Zealand team for about six years. Um, in my earlier days, the coach that we worked with was super transparent and like quite honest with things so it was easier you kind of knew where you sat as we progressed towards the end of my career in 2020 it was a different coach and it wasn't the same it wasn't like that at all um everything was very like non-committal not very transparent like super confusing um everything felt so far out of your control even the stuff that you could control felt so far out of your control. That was genuinely the hardest time in my career because um, I got to a point where I felt like it didn't matter how good I was, it wasn't going to make a difference. Um, this certain coach just didn't really want me and that's kind of part of sport in the, at the end of the day. It is and I fully acknowledge that but that was definitely the hardest thing was knowing no matter what I did, I wasn't going to be good enough for what he wanted from me. Wow. That's tough. Yeah. (laughs) That's really tough because you would have worked so, and thank you for sharing. That's quite vulnerable to to say Mm -hmm. that out loud. I know sometimes acknowledging that, and I don't know what that's like for you, but um, I was thinking of me like saying that I'm like, far out, that would be tough to say and acknowledge (laughs) because 
we all want to be accepted. We all want to be liked and validated and like the hard work that you had put in for so many years and to have somebody who was like, nah, it's never going to be enough. Did that make you work harder or did it make you check out or? Um, That's actually a really good question. So in the certain instance, it was in the lead up to the Tokyo 2020 Olympics. Um, I had gotten injured in July 2019. Um, we were away on a campaign overseas. I got injured. I broke my elbow. It was a really, really long-winded recovery. It was about 16 weeks till I was back fully on the bike, on the track, able to train with the team again. Um, and during that time, everyone else, understandably, had improved quite considerably. I was still able to train just at a much more restricted capacity, not necessarily um, not as hard, but... I just couldn't train the same because I couldn't put weight through my arm and that kind of thing. So I was severely restricted. So when I got back into the team in the December that year, um, I was just off the pace of those the the top few girls that had managed to train the whole way through. And I mean just off the pace. Like I wasn't very far behind. Um, and at this stage, that team – um, without me in it actually broke the world record in Cambridge at an event which was incredible and it was super exciting to be on the sidelines and supporting them through it but the very next week I got to race with those girls and also did incredibly well and held my own um, bearing in mind that I was technically 16 weeks behind them in training and by this point, I was starting to really, really progress quite quickly and really starting to come through and was actually putting my hand up to be one of the top ranked. And it didn't even matter at this point because in February, that's when COVID-19, the shutdown happened, lockdown. Um, and at the, they'd started to think about selection and they actually had made a selection for the team for the Tokyo Olympics that was supposed to be later that year. And even though the Olympics got postponed by an entire year, that coach had said to me, it doesn't really matter. I'm not going to change my selection. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, I've worked my ass off, like quite literally, to put myself back in the running. You promised me, like time and time again, you promised me if I did this, if I did this, if I did this, I'd be there. And you I did this and I did that and I did that. So why am I not in the running? And it was just because he decided like, no, I've uh, I've got my team. I don't want to think about it again kind of thing. So when I got that news and that was in about the May of 2020, I was understandably quite deflated. Um, I'd gone to the Olympics in 2016 with the team and was super instrumental to that performance. Um, and I knew that I had plenty in me and I would still have plenty in me by the year, the following year for Tokyo, which ended up being 2021. Um, but he just wasn't going to give me the chance. And so long story short, I was very deflated and I was like, you know what? The only control I have here is making the decision to keep going and still have him ruling my life for nothing, or I can make the decisions to step away and be like, I'm done. That's enough. Like, 
you had enough control over my life, you've had enough control over my emotions, you've had enough control of absolutely everything, now it's time for me to take some control back. And the only way I can do that is by removing myself from the situation entirely. So that's when wow. I made the decision to just leave. I was like, you've killed this for me. You've killed my love for it. You've killed everything. I'm done. And I just walked away. Wow. That's awful. Like <laughs> <laughs> what I mean by that is it's awful. Um, as you were talking, I was kind of reflecting. Like it's it's awful. It's awful on so many levels. Like the amount of um, hard work and dedication that you put into it and and mm. I'm guessing your coach is also, was also um, a cyclist of some sorts themselves. Yeah, well, actually, like, I don't know that. Way back in the day. And because, you know, that's, I thought, how would you train someone you know, if you didn't have that mm. experience? So I, but at the same time, like working your ass off and then kind of being told no, no matter yeah. what you do, that this is end game for you. Yeah. Um, but then also being pitted against people who mm-hmm. would also I imagine be your friends because you'd be yeah. spending so much time with these people. Oh yeah. And then having so much competition between you as well. Like I can imagine part of the game and you'd get used to it, but at the same time also really, really difficult. And I can imagine would be really difficult to form. I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm just imagining here, but quality mm-hmm. friendships within that did you find that or yeah I mean to be fair in in most of the girls that I was in the team with most of them are still my very very good friends to this day um because we understood each other on such a deep level and we were genuinely very supportive of each other and we only wanted the best for each other and we didn't have it out for each other but then there's of of course there's always going to be a little personality clashes and stuff so there was just one or two girls that we didn't fully connect with we had to connect on a team level and we could be super we would work together super well as a team but just beyond that was definitely not as genuine as you would have hoped I think um and you do know that kind of deep down when you're really self-aware but yeah you're dead right it's not always going to be sunshine and rainbows in a team like that and it, it's just kind of like, you know, like you were saying before, it is work. And, and even though it's a passion, it's also work. And mm-hmm. it's that very blurred line, which I can understand would make it really hard to have those, difficult yeah. to separate those boundaries out. But you've kind of touched on this as well, which is that moment where you realize that you had to get over yourself and mm-hmm. kind of um, love yourself enough to move forward. And it sounds like for you, that was very much that crossroads point where you kept getting that yeah. feedback from the coach. And were then like, okay, what's my decision here? Am I going to keep doing things this way? And knowing that that's the outcome that they've decided or am I going to remove myself from the only thing I have ever known at this Mm -hmm. point in my life and do something completely different? And, like, Mm -hmm. arc, change is hard at the best of times, (laughs) right? Like, people find change hard, like, at the best of times, let alone kind of placing yourself in a situation that you've never been in like yeah how did you get through that I guess like so one of the things that um I like to do for myself is I like to plan I like to have a plan and I like to have an idea of where I want things to go and it's not super solid like it's not set in stone I'm I'm flexible but I do like to have an idea of a plan and I'd always had this idea in my head that I was going to go through the Tokyo Olympics and then I would like to retire 
So when it got to the point where I was like, what is the point now? Like, if you've made it super clear that I'd maybe only be a traveling reserve into this team that I knew that I was more than capable of being and not just reserved for, um, I was literally like, you're not, you've ruined my plan (laughs) for one. And now I kind of just have to reassess everything and be like, all right, so what do I actually want to achieve here? Because I knew on one hand, if I went as the traveling reserve to the Olympics, I was actually taking a traveling reserve spot away from a younger rider that could have learned so much and experienced so much more than I possibly could have. Um, Or I could walk away and move on with my life and do something else that actually gave me a little bit more purpose and a little bit more joy again after feeling like I lost all of that so even though it sounds like a massive decision and probably quite tough to most people on the outside on the inside I was like nah I'm going that way (laughs) even though it's the biggest decision in my whole life I was like I'm I'm done I'm going that way I'm going out I'm I'm leaving let the younger rider have that experience I don't need it I don't want it someone else can do it and learn the most and like progress in their career because that's not the role for me anymore and I'm I'm gonna go do something better so yeah you valued yourself by the sounds of it you valued the fact that you knew your capabilities as a cyclist and Mm -hmm. were able to step into that with authenticity and say this is who I am and it's okay that you well it kind of sucks that you don't see that but you don't and that's okay I'm going to value myself I'm not going to be this reserve because I know that I have more to offer than that and if that's all you can give me then okay I'm going to make this other decision that feels like it's better for me and and I mean I think that does take a lot of courage and and it's interesting isn't it where on the one hand you've said that decisions can feel overwhelming for you Mm -hmm. to make yet this decision felt really easy and natural and and I find that really fascinating to kind of think about why some of those decisions are easy and why some of them feel a bit more difficult and yeah (laughs) um I feel like I just knew in my heart at that time that was the right decision. So I feel like that's why it wasn't such a battle. Um, Whereas in, you know, day-to-day life, it's harder to find like what feels right in some decisions. Like there's two right options. It's just which one, which one do you want? (laughs) So, and I feel like in that one, there there was only one right option and it. It was always going to be that way if that was the outcome. And I think that is the idea that you had that projected outcome. Mm -hmm. There was that outcome. Okay, I know that if I stay cycling, this is going to be the outcome. I'm not going to compete at the Olympics. That's actually out out of the equation now. Mm -hmm. So you could see that path. They'd painted it very clearly for you. And so going down that path, you knew, knew what you would be getting into. And the idea of going down a different path, even though you might not have known what that path was. Yeah felt better because you knew that there was more opportunity to kind of take back that control whereas things like do I start a family uh well 
we don't know what either of those paths I look know. like. Yeah. <laughs> so, then it becomes, so then we go down the rabbit hole of, well, if I start a family, then, 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 then. Yeah. If I don't if start I don't, a family. Then, then, then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think it's it's also when when we can see clearly one set of circumstances yeah. and the outcome and the alternative is just generally less worse than the mm-hmm. one that we already know the outcome of can feel a little bit more reassuring to us and maybe yeah. easier to make that decision as well um and I think just decisions sometimes can be hard for people uh when we want to get it right and and get everything like just perfect and make sure that we're not fucking up our life and you know doing the wrong thing and having yeah. people disappointed in us and yeah. all of those fun things that come up being human um being a woman in the world all of that um but I am curious to understand like because what you're what you then got into is the financial uh side of things and Mm -hmm. your passion for that and that's something that um we haven't really spoken too much about but I'm curious to to spend a few minutes chatting about that because that is also a huge passion of yours yeah yeah so um when I transitioned out of sport I was very lucky to be super supported by as I said my dad my number one fan um and my mum so they own this business that I work in um so we're essential financial solutions and they got me into the financial services sector um no one wakes up in the morning and decides they want to be an insurance advisor I can tell you that for free but it just happened to work really well for me um the flexibility of working life was great for me and then I slowly built up a passion for what I was doing and I really love helping people and eventually that led to me doing study and investments and leading to the KiwiSaver side of things as well and I got such a buzz out of that side of things like just having that knowledge and finally understanding finances and how investments work and compound interest and the OCR and just like all this random stuff that I'd always heard about throughout my life but had no clue whatsoever what all meant so when I finally learned all that and I was like oh my god this is actually like this is mind-blowing stuff like everyone should know this stuff why don't we all know this stuff and why do we as women why are we always the ones that are typically the last to know or that know the least so I decided to start to share my knowledge out there um and over time, so I've been building up more and more and more and more, and I started that Money Smart Gals Instagram, um, and it's just honestly aimed at trying to improve financial literacy for women. All I want to do is help women feel more in control and more confident with their finances because mm. the last thing that you want is stress with money. Like money and stress is the worst thing ever, um, and if I can just help them even a tiny bit by giving them little tips and tricks or just teaching them little things, then I feel like I've served like such a good purpose. Um, so yeah, that's where that passion sort of comes from. Also, as an athlete, you aren't well paid, <laughs> um, contrary to popular belief with that one. Um, so finances for me as an athlete were super strained. And when I left that life, I was like, oh my God money what is this like where does this come from what do I do with it kind of thing um so yeah I really wanted to learn how to be really good with money and make 
good decisions and just help other people make really good financial decisions. Gosh, I love that so much. I love that so much. And it's it's interesting. I only realized recently that athletes were not paid, right? <laughs> um, I don't know how it came about, um, but I remember discovering it just recently. And uh, I think it was this year the Matildas played and there was this huge yes. uproar about how little they were getting, compa- getting paid in comparison to men. Mm-hmm. And I think that you're right, women are very much not informed about their finances yeah. and, and it's just not something like, and I think this is where that social conditioning kicks in, that Correct. it's just something that we're not taught to really even yeah. think about. And I know that women are most likely when they get to retirement age because they've whether they've had children or they've mm-hmm. had lower paying jobs or whatever, mm-hmm. or they've gotten divorced, that they end up more financially disadvantaged than yeah. men when it comes to things like super yeah. um, or KiwiSaver. Yeah. And there definitely needs to be education. So I love the work that you're doing. And I'm certainly going to pop your info in the show notes, but cool. can you tell people where they, I mean, you've you mentioned the Instagram, but can you tell mm-hmm. people where they can find you? So on Instagram, um, the financial education side of things is Money Smart Gals. So that's super easy to find me um, with my professional work side of things with the um, insurance and KiwiSaver advice. My Instagram is Raquel underscore EFSNZ. Um, and then you can find us online at EFSNZ.co.nz amazing and that'll all be in the show notes for you as well so if you feel inspired by Raquel's story and want to learn more about what she's doing in the finance space go check her out she is an absolute whiz (laughs) I'm so grateful for you to have shared your story with us because it's certainly one of perseverance dedication but also the impacts that that can have on um kind of how we experience the world and I really Mm. appreciate you diving into that and sharing but also what it's like to kind of come out of the other side so thanks again for joining the show it was so great to have you on thank you for having me Eloise this was so fun and I hope whatever I've said that something can help someone maybe feel a little bit better about their journey or at least inspire them to make a change if they aren't feeling so great about something there's always hope isn't there and I love that and I love that about your story you know that there is always that hope so we will see you again next week for another episode of get over yourself uh until then stay safe and we'll chat next week out of all of the podcasts that are out there I am so grateful that you chose to listen to this one today thank you thank you thank you from the bottom of my heart It would mean the absolute world to me if you could leave a five-star review on this podcast so that we can help reach more like-minded women who also need a daily dose of motivation and inspiration to live their most authentic life. Take care and I'll chat with you next week.